pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 267. Today I'm going to chat with Ron Dan from Trailblazer Firearms, discuss a surprising ban on carry in Florida, highlight a new recoil system from Tacon, and talk about a bank heist in Florida you won't believe. I'm your host, Ava Flanell, and Ron Dan, what is it like having two first names for a name? It's a challenge at times, and then it's really entertaining <laughs> the other times. <laughs> I actually, when I looked at the show notes, I was like, because I obviously have talked to you before on Instagram, and I was like, ah, maybe it's short for something. I mean, is that your middle name, or is that actually Dan's your last name? No, Dan's my last name, and uh, my middle name's Antonio. So the full full name is Ronald Antonio Dan. Huh. And that's uh, that's me, so I got three, three first names. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing? I think I'm doing okay. I'm finally starting to get settled in my house and not totally like I don't have all like normalcy back, but things are starting to fall into place. So that's a good feeling, you know, and obviously with, you know, each day it gets better and better, but it's definitely hard doing this solo. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I should have just sucked it up and married somebody. And, you know, then I wouldn't have to do this alone. But I still think that, you know, the pros are outweighing, you know, settling with somebody that I don't really want to be with. But a hundred percent. Yeah. But so, I mean, things are actually going a little bit better, but I think in like another two weeks, things are going to be pretty solid. Yeah. I think from the, you know, from the bit that we've known each other and talked, I think we're both very organized people. And when there's any bit of disorganization in our lives, it kind of throws everything yes, out of balance. I know. Exactly. I completely agree. All right. So before we get into the show, I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about Smith & Wesson. I don't know if you've had a chance to check out any other products, um, specifically their new metal MMP 2.0. It's actually made out of aluminum. I got my hands on it right when it came out. I did a review. If you guys want to check out my review on that, it's on YouTube, just Ava Flanell, one N, two L's. And I'm really impressed with it. It shoots really well. It has like a gray Cerakote. I think it's called Tungsten Gray. And it kind of has like a sort of like a sparkle shimmer to it, which looks really cool. But aside from like the looks and the feel, it shoots awesome. It's actually, I think it's only two ounces heavier than your standard Palmer 2.0, but it's crazy how much of a difference it makes and just the recoil on it. Uh, the trigger's great. It has like that, you know, the 2.0, the flat face trigger, seven adapter plates for common optics. You know, if you want to put a red dot on it, which is actually maybe I'll do that today because I do have a few red dots that need a home. And I think I'm going to make the 2.0 metal my home defense gun or one of my home defense guns. In my opinion, there's no I mean, it's kind of silly if you have multiple guns. Why just have one home defense gun when you could have them throughout your house? So I think that that's what I'm going to do. But it comes with two 17-round mags. MSRP is $8.99. If you want to check out more about this product, head on over to smith-wesson.com. I love what Smith & Wesson's been doing with you know this new metal frame, M&P, and then the CSX. I really like that a lot. You know, I mean, they're going a lot with the trends that the industry is doing, and they're making great guns. Yeah, I agree. I actually wrote an article about the CSX that was on the cover of Concealment. And yeah, that came out, I guess, around the month when the CSX launched, which now I'm like, how long ago was that? Because we're going on maybe eight months now. Oh, yeah. Very well. May have been. I first saw it at SHOT Show. 10 months. Yeah. 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 So I think it was actually around SHOT Show when it came out. So I guess 10 months ago, 11 months ago. But yeah, I really like that gun as well. Learn the things you never knew. On Deconstructing the Industry. Okay, so let's get into it. So you're from Trailblazer Firearms, and you're actually kind of new. You're the president there, correct? That's correct. And you started in August. 
But before we get into talking about Trailblazer Firearms, I'm curious as to like what you did beforehand, because you mentioned that you've been in the industry now for 15 years. Exactly. Yeah. So I've been in the industry for, uh, you know, almost 16 years now. And it's uh, in terms of if you count like a real professional career. So anything that doesn't, you know, that wasn't working as like a cook or, or anything of like a college job. Yeah. Um, this is all I mean, the firearms industry is all I've ever done professionally um, for real career, or real jobs. And um, it's what I love the most. So it started when I was in college. I was going to myself and one of my best friends would go to the range every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. And we would just go, that's back when you could buy a brick of 22 for $5 for like a five, you know, 500 round brick of 22. You could buy it for $5 and we would just go and we'd each get it and I had a Walther P22 and we'd just shoot as much as possible. And eventually the, the range owner looked at us and said, Hey, if you guys are college kids and you know, you want a part-time job, I'd love to hire you. And then you won't have to pay for range time. And that's how it all started. And wow. uh, so they were located across the street from one of the largest distributors in the country, which is called RSR Group. And that company would have to come into our shop to do all their 4473s and their transfers. And so I got to know everyone on the executive team there and talked to them and said, hey, as soon as I graduate from college, I'd love to come work for you all. And that's how it worked out. And so I got a job there at one of the largest distributors in the country as a buyer right out of college. And it was fantastic. And went from there, went to work for another uh, distributor that was a competitor after that. And, um, from there, I went to go work for a company called Vertex, which, uh, uh, you know, even at, at, at DCF, that's a place where you can go and grab uh, Vertex products. And mm-hmm. They're really known for their low profile bags and their uh, clothing. And from there, went to go work for a consulting company and a little private equity company that bought, and sold and consulted for companies in the industry. And one of the major brands they worked with was Polymer 80. And I just left that job in August and started with Trailblazer Farms. Very nice. That's really nice. And at Trailblazer Farms, so if anybody's not familiar, what do you guys specialize in? What guns are you guys known for? So uh, five years ago, a little over five years ago, we launched our Life Card Pistol, which is a single shot folding 22 pistol that folds up to about the size of a small stack of credit cards. So it'll fit inside of your wallet. It was originally designed to fit inside of an Altoids tin. So back, you know, you think five, six years ago, one of the popular trends was getting an entire survival kit inside of an Altoids tin or one of the biker Altoids tins. Mm -hmm. So we wanted a gun that could fit inside of that, that you could, you know, also have some survival kit inside of there. And that's what we came up with, which was the the lifeguard pistol. And so it's a single shot 22 that unfolds. No NFA laws apply. It's not an AOW. When it unfolds, it is a pistol and it holds extra rounds in the grip. We make it in 22 long rifle and 22 mag. And that's how the company started was just with those guns. Mm-hmm. And we've just now started, we've expanded the lifeguard line with our new threaded barrel lifeguard, which we believe is the world's uh, smallest and lightest production 22 host right now and potentially the quietest, but we call it the most discreet, you know, and we're really excited about that. You actually had a chance to shoot that at TriggerCon recently. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of fun, you know, more than anything, a lot of people ask about those guns and say, they say, Hey, what's the, the practical application of it? We can go into what that is, but more often than not, um, the most fun you'll have with it is, is at the range. And then we also have just started shipping our pivot rifle, which is, you know, the industry's first ultra compact folding carbine. And it's a nine millimeter carbine, a full 16 inch carbine that has, you know, it doesn't require a pistol brace. It is not, no NFA laws apply and it folds up to just over 20 inches in its compact form. And you hit a button and unfold it very quickly. And then all of a sudden, it's a full fighting carbine that meets the the minimum 26 inch length. And then also that has an expandable or an extendable stock that gives you a full length of full, uh, full rifle length of full. So uh, those are the two product lines that we have right now with a, a whole lot more in the hopper. So very nice. And I'm actually just I'm on your website right now and uh, looking at the life card confetti clown. It looks yeah. just like a credit card, kind of like at first glance. Because right. where it folds, so the top's like, you know, coated one color, the bottom's a different color. And I kind of actually, I really like it. And it is. So, okay, let's talk about the application of that. Like, what would you 
you know, because I mean, personally, this wouldn't be my concealed carry. This might be a backup, you know, something that, you know, if I didn't have any way to carry something or I think it's always good to have a backup gun on you. I don't know. I, I mean, what do, you, what do you so? so and also, so it. I kind of joked with somebody and I almost hate to say this publicly, but it's like, I mean, you don't even leave your casing behind. It's like the one shot. Right. Right. Because your casing, it's still stuck in there, right? Oh, yeah. You have to. Oh, yeah. It's in there. Because it's essentially like a break action. Exactly. It's a single shot 22 that has a, a break open barrel and you hit a latch and manually open it and then you manually extract it with your fingernail or, or whatever device you want to use to manually extract that round. But you're exactly right in what you're saying. So we don't advertise it as, hey, this is the number one gun that you want to take yeah. into a gunfight or a defensive situation. That's you will never say that. And we're very realistic about what the product is and and what it was designed for. Um, so but you're exactly right in the sense that it, we do call it the last gun you'll ever leave behind mm -hmm. because it's one of the easiest or the easiest gun to carry. Yeah. And you know, the gun that's on you is infinitely more effective than the gun that's in your glove compartment mm -hmm. or the glove that's back at home. Or, you know, hey, you can have all the fancy ARs you want in the world, but if it's not there on you in the event that you may need it, then that's useless to you, you know, yeah. or you need something to fight your way to get to the next step and the next step and the next step. So that's really what this gun is designed for. And it's designed for if you wear jeans, you know, like in your little change pocket on the right side of your jeans, it'll slip right inside of there and conceal beautifully. And with a lot of the studies, you know, if you look at um, demonstrated concepts or Matt Landfair from primary and secondary, a lot of these guys in the industry are now doing these studies to show how effective 22 long rifle or 22 magnum can be with the right loads mm -hmm. and are they advocating that it's more effective than 300 blackout or nine millimeter no that obviously not but mm -hmm. it can be very effective in the right scenario if that's the the largest and most effective gun that you can carry comfortably and consistently then that's what you want on you because mm -hmm. it's, it's better than a, than a sharp stick at that point. So yeah. that's really how we, how we advertise this. And that's really where that, what this gun was designed for. It's designed to be something that you can carry as a backup, or if all you have on you is the space and ability to carry this gun, then we want you to have this gun on you opposed to not being able to have a gun at all. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so that's yeah. that's where it is. But yeah. a lot of people come to us, and and you witnessed this uh, the last time we were together, where a lot of people say, "Well, it, it takes a really long time to reload that." It's like, "Well, yeah, it's it's not going to be a speed reload of of your uh, staccato with the <laughs> yeah. with the magwell on it, but but you know, but it is effective for what it is." Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's I think that's a perfect answer. I'm going to take a quick break. Talk about primary arms. <laughs> primary arms has sure. a bunch of new stuff in stock right now they have like their slx the 3x micro prisms different color reticles finishes for roughly 320 dollars the gold anodized aluminum duramax which i might have to get my hands on for 1680 so if you want to add a little bling to your ar parts kits for glocks from safiri precision for 80 dollars 99 cents Aero Precision AR-10 lowers for $192. That's pretty good. Foxtrot Mic 556 uppers, which I really like, $450. And then complete Foxtrot Mic 9mm pistols for just $599. Lots of other stuff that they have in stock right now. Definitely check them out, primaryarms.com. If you buy a Expo Arms Combat Series 5.56 barrel, you'll get a free Expo Arms stopping device when you use the code GUNFUNNY, and that's all one word. And again, that is primaryarms.com. Now let's talk about the Pivot. So that was one of my favorite guns at TriggerCon that I shot, and I was just blown away with, I mean, even the life card. I, you know, I've been in the industry like you for quite a while now. And you see like the same AR-15 over and over again. And like, that's not to say I don't enjoy AR-15s. But like I said this on the last show, you know, when talking about TriggerCon, you just kind of like, you know, you get kind of bored with the same stuff. And when there's like true innovation in a product, 
And you realize too, the longer you're in the industry, what kind of work goes into creating something completely new, coming up with the tooling and the design and, you know, and even just the cost for that, you have a much larger appreciation for it. And so when I shot the pivot and it went from actually, what is the length when it's completely folded up? Because essentially it's, uh, it's like the size of a rectangle. Yeah, it's 20.9 inches. So um, just over 20 inches when it's folded up in its most compact configuration. And that extra nine inches is actually the, the threads on the barrel. Okay. Or so, the, the extra point, point 0.9 inches, I should say. I was going to be like, that's a really long threaded barrel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, so I just really enjoyed shooting it. And even the way that it worked, you know, sometimes a lot of the stuff when people create something that's different, the actual gun, it just doesn't work as well. Like, you know, when you're manipulating it and you're folding it up and stuff and you could just feel it's just like, uh, like just, it's not like smooth, like maybe the parts weren't polished or something. So it, it's just not like a seamless process. But when I was handling the pivot, it was just very seamless and worked well. The gun itself worked well. I was just really impressed with it. But what would you say, you know, for anybody out there, like the applications, what would you be using this for? So a, a big thing that we've seen over the past really 10 years in the industry, ever since um, SB Tactical started doing the pistol braces at, at a large level, and we saw it before then, where you would have um, AR pistols that just had a round buffer tube on the back, is people like having... A, you know, as a, a secondary gun with them, whether mm -hmm. it's in a backpack or, you know, if you're on a motorcycle in a saddlebag or something like that, where, you know, if, if space is an issue and weight and size is an issue, then you want to be able to not only just have your carry gun on you, but you want to be able to use that to get to a larger, more effective, longer range system. And that's what we wanted to do with this is to give the ability for somebody to have you know, it's a nine millimeter, so you have restrictions there, but as much of a full fighting carbine as you can have on you at all times. We also, when we originally designed this gun, it was when, uh, and you remember this, Ava, it's when ATF was saying, hey, you can't shoulder your pistol braces. You have to use a cheek weld stance for when you're shooting this, otherwise you're in violation. And, and we said, well, there's got to be a way for us to have a small compact carbine that can be 16 inches, no NFA laws apply. And no pistol braces needed. So um, that's what we that's what we accomplished here is it allows you to have a small backpack gun to be able, you know, for armed professionals and responsible civilians to have as much gun as they need on them or as much gun as they can have on them in as small and lightweight and compact of a package. And width-wise, a lot of people ask about the width on it. At no point is the gun wider than a Glock 19, which mm -hmm. is, you know, our, you know, one of our favorite handguns ever. And it's, it's really one of the, the best guns made. And, uh, at no point is it wider than that. So it's a very thin profile and it also, uh, you know, folds up and it allows a great optic mounting platform. Unlike some of the competitors that are out there, very thin, very light, very fast deployment, which you discovered when you got a chance to handle it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it also takes Glock max, right? Exactly. It does. Um, you know, 15 rounds and larger. Yeah. One of the questions that a lot of people ask is, well, you're muzzle sweeping everyone when it, when yeah. it spins around. And, I was and that's one thing just that going to address that. Know. Yeah. So the magazine, in order for that gun to be manipulated, whether to fold it up or unfold it, it does have to be charging handle locked open. So that chamber is locked open and the magazine has to be removed. So it, there's no, it is in its safest possible configuration for it to fold one way or another. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's there was, one thing that a lot of people ask. I know. Well, when I posted the video on Instagram, there was a lot of people like, oh, great. Yeah. Why don't you just sweep everyone with the barrel and then point the barrel directly at you? And I'm just like, uh, it's, I get so annoyed because I'm like, do you guys understand how guns even work? I mean, you literally, if we're being honest, a Glock 19 is probably more dangerous in your hands because when you're dissembling it, you have to pull the trigger and you can have one in the chamber still dissemble it or try to dissemble it when you pull that trigger it's going to shoot off and that's how a lot of people end up shooting themselves like accidentally in the leg or you know some sort of negligent discharge you know their neighbor's house whatever whereas this is like you absolutely cannot rotate it unless as you said the charging handles locked back magazines out so it is it's it's essentially like taking an ar upper 
and swinging it around, you know, like pointing at everyone. And that's how safe it is, essentially. Right. It, it is very, you know, I would consider that upper with the charging handle lock back and the magazine out. It's an inert upper, just like an AR mm-hmm. upper that's not attached to a lower. Yeah. And it's even safer than that because it would really be an AR upper with the bolt taken out you yeah. know, because uh, or the bolt carrier group more so. But there was a, a comment on your video and somebody called it something to the effect of like the muzzle sweeper 9000. And although I don't agree with what the statement was, I thought it was a very funny comment and it made me chuckle. At yeah. the very least. You know what? But, that's uh, yeah. that's what's kind of nice, though, is that you could at least like laugh at some of the criticism or appreciate some of, you know, the <laughs> the creativity that goes into some of these comments because I do the same thing. <laughs> right. And I'll, I think you and I, for the amount of years we've been surrounded by this stuff, we've also, without handling a product, we've criticized it just from seeing a video about it or pictures about it or hearing about it. And then once we actually handle it, they're like, you know what? There's something to this. Yeah. I think that that's absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I've criticized in the past and then I've, you know, I've shot it. Let's say it's a different type of ammo or, you know, some gun that comes out where I'm like, eh, that's kind of dumb. I don't really see a use for that or I don't understand what's so great about it. And then I use it and like 30 Super Carry, for example, that Federal came out with. That's something that I, I try to describe as best as I can. But ultimately, I'm like, people just need to shoot it to really get the feel for it and appreciate it. Well, I completely agree. Let's go back to there was one comment where, well, there was a few comments where people were saying that you guys copied the Keltec Sub 2000, which was comical because even though it folds up to a similar size, well, the Keltec folds up. This one obviously doesn't, but it, the mechanisms are completely different. And so I'm like, again, just kind of, you know, facepalm because do people even understand like how these guns work? Because they're completely opposite. Yeah. And I'll tell you, so I'll preface this by saying that I do have a personal relationship with uh, Derek Kelgren. He's a friend of mine. I have all the respect in the world for George Kelgren. I think he's come up with some of the most brilliant gun designs in the industry. But, uh, and, and and the sub 2000 is a fantastic gun. It's, it is one of the competitors for the pivot in this category. I'll say the differences are, and I won't say which one's better or anything like that, because I, I just have so much respect for that company and their products. But you know, for optics mounting platform, the sub 2000 does not allow you a very effective optics mounting platform. You do have to use either like a Midwest industry swing out mount that swings away, allows you to unfold the gun and then re-swing the optic back. Midwest industries makes great stuff. And I know it would have a ton of repeatability, but that's another part that can break. It's another part that you have tolerances that you have to figure out like how effective your zero is going to be. And then the manual of arms for a sub 2000 it's not quite intuitive and having that charging handle way back in the stock, it, it can be somewhat cumbersome and, you know, and it's pretty heavy to actually get that going. And it's not as fast as what I think is like the, the HK slap, if you will, that we have on the pivot. So, mm-hmm. and also one thing when people handle the materials, the sub 2000 is great for what it is, but it's a gun that is, you know, primarily made with a lot of polymers and you can tell when you, when you handle it, there's, you know, it was designed to be at a price point, at a certain price point with mm-hmm. the materials they used. Whereas our gun, there was no expense that was spared to make sure that we had the finest materials available and the finest materials were used in the construction of the pivot. So we're really happy with the way it came out. They're both great guns, but one would, it, it would be the equivalent of comparing uh, what one of the new, uh, you know, uh, a new price pointed like a Cobra to a staccato. They're mm-hmm. very different guns in terms of what what the actual price point was for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take another quick break. Talk about Mantis real quick. Have you used uh, Mantis X before? I have. I'm a pretty big fan of their products. Yeah. I mean, I think it really takes the shooter to the next level. And I think that this is a product that's great for all levels. I mean, whether you're a beginner shooter and you're trying to break out of, you know, anticipating the shot, pulling the trigger too hard, it'll tell you exactly what you're doing wrong to the competitive shooter. If you're really trying to maximize your time and how quickly you get on target, 
And I mean, they have all kinds of devices now for, you know, for ARs, for your handgun. I mean, you could even put this on a bow and arrow, shotgun, really whatever you're using, you can use the Mantis X. And it's just a great system to really help you improve. And also, I mean, even as an instructor, at times it's easy for me to pick up what a student's doing wrong and correcting that. But for me, unless I maybe post a video or something, a lot of times I can't always self-diagnose myself. So that's also where the system comes into play. My favorite, especially for handguns, is the Mantis X10. But they have, you know, other Mantis X gens, I guess, that are a little bit more affordable. But I would say, you know, if you're just going to buy it, just go for Splurge, go for the X10. You won't regret it. If you want to find out more about this, head on over to MantisX.com. Let's talk about the price point of the Pivot. So that was the only thing that sort of turned me off. It is MSRP is $1,800, correct? That's correct. And it, you, what you'll see is math is at uh, just over $1,600, about $1,600. And um, generally with gun trends, we'll see guns more street price closer to MAP price than they will at MSRP. Mm-hmm. And MAP being the, the minimum advertised price that retailers are allowed to put it out there at. Gotcha. Okay. And I mean, really, so if you think about it, because at first I was like, oh, that's kind of steep. But then I started looking at other guns. I mean, let's talk about Maxim Defense. I really liked their gun. That was another gun that I shot that I was like, wow, I'm really impressed with. And their guns start at roughly $2,000. It's really not that far off. I mean, their their 9mm that they came out with, I think it's the MD9, that starts at 2000 So it's really not that far off compared to you know other guns, even if it is 9mm within the realm. And also when you think about what goes into the design, creating new parts for, you know, for the gun, it's not like you guys are designing an AR where you can take OEM parts that have already been designed. I mean, you guys pretty much had to design this from the ground up and create all the parts for it, which is not inexpensive by any means. Correct. There are three parts on it that are not proprietary, which would be it uses a Glock Gen 4 style magazine release, Mm -hmm. which is one part, a Glock Gen 4 style magazine release spring. And then we have a, it comes with a tapered barrel. So we have a flat shoulder taper adapter that comes on that. And that's manufactured by Q. Um, So those are the three parts that are not proprietary. And otherwise, it's it's exactly right here. It's completely proprietary, but it is priced in that same realm as B&T pistols, a SIG MPX, like an IWI Tabor 9mm, mm-hmm. or, you know, like you said, the Maxim. And so it, there are a ton of 9mm guns that are, or PCCs that are in the same price point. And I think one thing that people will start to appreciate more, and, you know, again, at this point, a lot of it is hearsay, but uh, ATF has made it pretty public that they are going to be putting regulations on pistol braces and brace pistols. And that will be another time for this style of platform to really shine. Because as of right now, there are a ton of options out there for you to have a small backpack gun if it's a pistol that has a pistol brace on it. But in the event that that were to go away, or if you're in a state that does not allow that, then this is a great option. And it's at a, you know, a lot of people, again, they can't really appreciate the build quality and the fit and finish on this until they handle it. So we're excited for people that have reservations based on the price to get out and handle it. Because, I, you know, I think you discovered once you handle it, you say, man, this is a lot of gun for the money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Do you guys have any future plans that you can share with us? So I will probably get yelled at by a lot of people for what I'll tell you, but I'll give hints. You know, there are, we made the grip module at the bottom that has the actual, you know, that that would accept the magazine. That grip module is modular for a reason. And so look to have this take not only just different magazines, also in nine millimeter, but also if we were to think of other popular calibers that are about nine millimeter size that Mm -hmm. would be equally effective or more effective at distance, look to see this pivot coming out in different variations in the future. Also, for Lifeguard, we've had a huge influx of interest to do the Lifeguard in some sort of center fire caliber. Who knows what we're going to do with that and what will come of that. But 
that's pretty much all I will give right now behind the scenes. And that's probably still too much. Uh, right. Yeah. That you but, basically, uh, yeah, you, you just got the job in <laughs> August and it ended yeah. in end of October. No. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a bunch, Ava. I'll be coming for a job with you. <laughs> right. Uh, that's exciting i actually the life card in let's say nine millimeter would be pretty nice right and it's just a matter of figuring out a comfortable size and how how that could work out yeah uh, where it doesn't smash your hand every time you pull the trigger exactly yeah absolutely very cool if people want to check out your products at trailblazer firearms or follow you on social media where can they find you so our website is a great spot to find information. It's uh, trailblazerfirearms.com. And for all social media, we're at Trailblazer Firearms. So really easy. Unfortunately, on social media, there are a fair amount of scam, uh, like, you know, fake type of accounts out there. We try to police that as much as possible. But just be careful. Make sure you're at the real Trailblazer Firearms. So. Okay, nice. And just real quick, I'm on your website because I don't think we went over MSRP for the life card. But I mean, you guys are selling Blem life cards, which people don't understand when they read Blem. They're like, oh, what's wrong with it? I mean, it could be something as the color was off just slightly or there's a little bit of a scratch or something. I mean, it's still working, but you guys have them as low as $239 and then lots of other options. I think going all the way up to what is it like three fifty nine. Correct. Yeah. So definitely check those out as well. Yeah. Yeah. And to address the blemish guns, you know, our quality control department is one of, it's probably the strictest I've ever seen in the industry. And I will inspect a gun and miss the blend that they have found because at, on the inside of a seam, there will be a little dent that's not supposed to be there. And I just think I'm the one that put that dent when I was unfolding it. <laughs> right. There. But, you know, that's what's there. And they want to make sure that. Um, because our guns are not priced for, you know, they're they're not a bargain priced gun. None of none of our guns are, are bargain priced. We want to make sure that everything that leaves the factory is the top quality. So if it doesn't meet that top quality, but it's still a perfectly functioning gun that's very safe and fun, then we will uh, give that opportunity for a discount for our end users. Very nice. All right. So Caldwell. Caldwell, they have some of the most affordable steel targets out there, and they just added a new way to put up your targets. The Shepherd's Hook Steel Target Hanger is quick and easy to put up. It has three legs that you could easily push in the dirt to hold up to 16-pound targets. It also has a nylon rubber strap to hang your plate from, so it won't cause fatigue on the stand from recoil. They're 45 inches tall, so pretty optimal height for targets. Best of all, they're only $29.99, so it's really affordable as well as easy to move and use. Check these out at caldwellshooting.com. Don't forget to use the code GUNFUNNY10, all one word, and you're going to get 10% off your entire order. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. Ron, I don't know if you had a chance to read this, but I was kind of taken back by it. Basically, DeSantis bans concealed carry at event, which DeSantis is like one of my favorites. Like, I hope he runs for president. I've been extremely just impressed with him, especially around COVID. He was like one of the few governors that was really like standing up to, you know, a lot of the BS going around and voicing his opinion and like I said, I've just been really impressed with them. So when I read this article, I was just like really taken back. Yeah. Basically, so the upcoming Ronald Reagan black tie and blue jeans barbecue in Alicia, Florida, has an unexpected infringement on their Second Amendment rights. The Alicia County Republican Executive Committee holds the annual event as a fundraiser and invited Ron DeSantis to attend this year. Attendees who purchased tickets online for $60 per plate received an email notice that concealed carry was not allowed and that they would have to pass through a metal detector. Not only is this an infringement on their Second Amendment rights, it's illegal. The event is held on city property and concealed carry cannot be banned during the event, according to state law. Florida has had very strict firearm preemption laws since 1987 They include strict penalties for public officials who violate them, including a $5,000 fine and removal from office. 
ordinarily, it's just fine to carry out this event, but the DeSantis campaign and Florida Department of Law Enforcement reportedly gave rules to the organizers that DeSantis would not appear if there are guns at it. Funny thing is, it's perfectly legal to carry in the governor's office. But how is it not allowed at the fundraiser held on public property? If Florida law enforcement issued the directive, then it counts as regulating firearms, which clearly violates the preemptive law. The Second Amendment Foundation requested copies of the rules, but Ann Stone, a treasurer of the committee organizing the event, said the rules were given verbally and that they were lawful because it was a closed event, which is kind of BS because it was initially a public event when people were buying tickets and then they received the notice. They only made it a closed event when people called them on breaking the law. While this is certainly disappointing, It's important to remember that DeSantis advocates for expanding gun rights, and he's running against former Governor Charlie Crist, who supports Biden's entire gun control agenda, including banning assault weapons and standard capacity magazines. It's also unknown if Ron DeSantis even knows that the illegal disarming of Floridians is happening. Hopefully, you know, maybe it's just bad stuff that's working on behalf of his campaign, but hopefully he gets word of this and it gets straightened out because this was definitely something that I was taken back by when I read it because it just seems very out of character. You know, I mean, even during the hurricane, he was telling people like, hey, if there's any looting, keep in mind that a lot of these homeowners, you know, have guns. He was basically being like, yeah, and they can shoot like and he is very pro 2A. So it's just like very weird. You know, uh, no politician is perfect, but Ron DeSantis is pretty close. You know, I mean, the way uh, my my family is in Florida, I grew up in Florida, spent the majority of my life there. The way he handled COVID, my ability to go there and live a normal life while, you know, all of that turmoil was happening in the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. I thought he handled it brilliantly. And now now we look back at it and say, wow, he might have handled it better than anybody else in the country. Yeah, Um, it's not with all that being said, it's not uncommon for a lot of these policies to happen. People are usually up in arms when they want to go see President Trump at the NRA show, but because they have to go through Secret Service protocol, they're not allowed to carry a knife or a gun or really anything on them that would be a defensive weapon. So it's not uncommon for this to happen. So I don't want to, you know, I think a lot of people immediately go to blame, you know, DeSantis for this, but it's just part of what they do. Now, I agree that it's a violation of our rights and I should be allowed to carry, you know, and, and especially you can carry in the governor's office. Why can't I carry at this event? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is weird. I mean, I guess I could understand, though, because a lot of these, you know, like when Trump came to the NRA show and a lot of it makes sense because the last thing we want is, you know, someone who attends and there's a shooting, you know, they try to take out, you know, right. the president or something like that. Or the governor because they aren't happy with how he handled COVID and they thought he should have had, you know, high restrictions and everyone should have been masked up and businesses closed and stuff like that. So it's really hard to point fingers, especially when you're not in their shoes, because I'm sure that politicians, especially the ones that are more outspoken, are probably in a lot of danger daily because of people that disagree with their take on things. I agree. And and it's hard. For us to put ourselves in their shoes, but you have to understand. And one thing you said is there's a good chance he might not even know this is happening. Yeah. He has a, a million things to worry about. He has a, a terrible hurricane that just came through True. and and you know and damaged a huge portion of Southwest Florida. And we just had people from our company that were down there helping out earlier this week, and it's still in turmoil. So he has a lot of things he's dealing with. He probably doesn't even have this on his radar. And knowing him. It's something that I'm sure he would rectify if he was aware of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Franklin Armory. Did you have a chance to shoot any of the guns with the binary triggers when you were at TriggerCon? I don't know if you were stuck at the booth the whole time or if you were able to kind of see what everybody else had at their boots. So I've been a fan of Franklin Armory since, you know, probably six, six, seven years now or however long they came out with the binary trigger. And I love their stuff. It's too much fun. I know it was, you know, it's weird because it took me so long before I even shot a binary trigger. And I don't know why 
But as soon as I shot it, I was like addicted and I was like, I need to sign these people. I need to like work with them. I love their stuff. I love what they're doing. They thought outside the box. They're, you know, pushing the edge. And I'm like, I need to work with them. And that's what I did. But uh, it's one of those things, again, where you just have to try it. It's the closest to almost, you know, like shooting sort of a machine gun legally. And, right. and, and it does take some practice. Like you have to get the cadence down, but once you do, it's just, it's so addicting. I love it, but they have them like available for lots of different guns, lots of different calibers. I don't know if you knew this, but they have one for uh, the 1022. But, and I'll say this about it. So I think both of us have shot a fair amount of machine guns in our lives, mm-hmm. but the most fun you'll have with a machine gun, everybody will say is when you shoot a 22 machine gun. You can't shoot a 22 machine gun or a, a Franklin right. Armory binary trigger on a 1022 and not walk away with a big smile on your face. It's just it's they it must be science or or something that goes behind it, but you have to smile when you shoot a, a full auto 22. I know. I actually only shot my first full auto 22 uh like maybe 2 years ago. Oh. Yeah, I'm like sometimes I'm like Which one did you shoot? I don't even remember Somebody had put it together, so I don't think it was like a... It was kind of like a Frankenstein gun. There was two of them. One was belt-fed, and then the other uh, took a magazine. One of the things I love about the Franklin Armory, their binary trigger for the 1022, is, like you said, it does take a little bit of practice to get used to the cadence and figuring out how that works. And if you do that and get used to the cadence on a 22, that learning curve is significantly less expensive. Than yeah. if you were to try to do that on your full carbon. <laughs> right. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, I love it. I love their products. They do a great job and they, they make shooting a lot of fun. You know, that's really what their products are. Mm-hmm. You know, more than anything, that's what they're designed for is to, to just have a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And in fact, so that 1022 trigger is on sale right now for $269.99. But remember, if you use the code AVA, that's A V A, you're going to get 10% off your entire order. And that is at franklinarmory.com. Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. Today's Q&A is someone asked, I saw you put down a coating on your garage floor. What did you do and was it easy? I almost don't even want to talk about this because it was not as easy as YouTube makes it look like anything else, right? It's like Pinterest versus reality. (laughs) Well, I can't say that because actually the finished product actually looks pretty decent. But as you guys know, just bought a house and my garage faces north. And when I was doing the walkthrough with the builders, they were like, yeah, because your garage faces north, we recommend you put a coating down on your concrete in the garage. And I didn't even think about that. But if I did, I would have planned to do it, you know, before I moved everything in the garage. So now that I've been moved in for, I guess it's been a month now that I closed on my house, I figured, all right, let me do this before it's winter. And there's probably going to be tons of buildup on snow, you know, because again, my garage faces north and I'm over on the north side of Colorado Springs, which gets a lot more snow than anywhere else in Colorado Springs. I moved everything out of my garage into the I have like a little sitting room when you first enter my house. So I moved everything in there. It's totally messing with my OCD. I hate looking at it right now. And it's been there for a few days. Watched a bunch of YouTube videos. I bought the kit from Home Depot and it's from Rust-Oleum. And I got like the gray color where you put the flakes down. It's like blue, white, black. But first, what you have to do is you have to clean it. I did like the degreaser and cleaner, even though my garage is brand new. The concrete was brand new. I figured I'd still use a degreaser just in case, you know, just to make sure it was super clean. And then you etch it, which I was like, what the hell is etching? Etching is like some sort of it's like an acid that you mix with water and you pour all over your garage and then you scrub it. The initial, you know, prep is kind of a pain. And I'm pretty sure my neighbors were looking at me like I just murdered somebody in my garage and was trying to get rid of the evidence because I probably spent like a good four hours cleaning my garage. (laughs) And I was power washing it too. And then you have to wait 24 hours. And then I had a friend help me who he comes over and it's like maybe 1130 a.m. He smells like an SS subs and is I'm pretty sure he, he was still drinking and he has like a 24 pack of beer with him. 
And I'm like, okay, great. But I was told that it really sucks doing it alone because as you're putting down like the gray paint, which is like the epoxy, you have to have somebody right there like sprinkling on the flakes. And I can understand now why, because when I went to go put down the clear coat, you could still feel like the flakes and stuff like you almost have to put down a clear coat. And maybe that's because I wasn't doing it fast enough. I have no idea. But anyways, I was already kind of getting annoyed because he was like, you could tell he was a little drunk. He was missing some spots. I'm OCD perfectionist. I'm just like, okay, you know, like, and he was doing it really fast and just like kind of sloppy. And then we're getting towards the end. He accidentally knocks into the bag of epoxy that was left over. It spills on my driveway and into the rocks that I just had my landscaping done. And I'm like, okay, try not to freak out. And then I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. It's fine. They, they make like acetone. I'm sure I can get it off. And then just then my door blows open from the wind, like my front door. And I had Peach as my dog in there. And she runs out. She runs all over the epoxy in the garage. She then puts little footprints all on my driveway on the concrete that's not supposed to be epoxied. <laughs> I'm trying to catch her, like get her. Then there's epoxy all over me. And then I take her, I put her in her kennel in the house because obviously I don't want her running around the house with epoxy all over her feet. I take off my jacket, throw in the washing machine. And I, at that point, I'm just like, you know, when you kind of just lose it and you're laughing and then laughing so hard that you kind of start crying. <laughs> right. That's sort of what happened to me. <laughs> Um, fine line (laughs) like i'm just like okay okay everything's fine everything's fine and i'm you know and i'm just like i mean really at the end of the day i've i've gone through enough in my life where there really is no sense in like stressing out over things that you just can't control and there is usually always some sort of fix for something like nothing's the end of the world but i mean peaches looked so freaking cute and she had paint on her face and i posted a picture <laughs> in my story on instagram because i'm like yeah epoxy your garage they said it'd be fun and be easy and then i show peaches i'm like until a little peaches escapes and then gets little footprints all over everywhere and messed up the epoxy but luckily it was still wet so we were able to roll over it fix it And then my friend, who I didn't even realize does garages, I thought he just strictly did asphalt, but he told me, he's like, you want to put a clear coat, it'll make it last like at least 10 years. Like the the Rust-Oleum stuff that you buy at Lowe's and Home Depot is like, okay, but it's not commercial grade. He hooked me up and I was able to get the, I think it's polyurethane and yeah, whatever. This is, you know. Needless to say, I'm not starting my own like home improvement YouTube channel. Okay. (laughs) Um, But I put that down yesterday. So I had to wait, you know, about, I don't know. I I waited like overnight, let it kind of dry. You still want it to be tacky. And then I put that stuff on and I put it on like really thick. And now it actually looks pretty good. I don't know. All in all, I think I spent $800 on all the products. And then what I was quoted to have it done was like 7,000. So if you think about it, I spent maybe a day and a half total. I mean, if you don't consider the time that, you know, it has to dry like 24 hours and stuff, but I don't know. I mean, people definitely make it seem a little bit easier than what it is. And I'm sure it would be significantly easier this next time than the first time you did it. Totally. Yeah. So I mean, do it again. It definitely helps to watch YouTube videos and like see people actually do it. But once you start doing it, you know, because then I also was like trying to paint the edges with a paintbrush to make sure that it was on, you know, that there wasn't any spots missed. But then my friend, while I was trying to paint the edges, he's just going at it with the roller brush. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I can't even get close to where you just rolled with the flakes and just freaking mess. So, yeah, the advice that I have is you want to put down a top coat and you want the help that you get, make sure that he's not drunk and that he's a perfectionist like you (laughs) and make sure that peaches, you know, your dog doesn't run out in the process. Who knows? Maybe, maybe it would have been better if he wasn't drunk. (laughs) Like maybe he would have been a perfectionist. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. 
But that was that's my story. I'm really excited to have this the garage floor. I think I went today and it's kind of tacky and I think it's because it's cold because you also have to do this when the temperature is between 50 and like 80 degrees. But I left my garage door open just a hair so that it would dry a little bit. But I think because it got so cold last night, so it's interfering with the curing process. So it's a little tacky right now, which I talked to my friend that's normal, but I have to wait a little bit longer. I was hoping to move everything out of my freaking house into the garage today, but I think it's going to happen tomorrow instead. But either way, the end is near and pretty soon I don't have to look at all this stuff. And it's just one more thing to check off my list. Well, I'm glad that's behind you. Yeah. Congrats on getting it done. Yeah, me too. Because really, I was running out of pocket for being honest. So, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. IWI. You mentioned the Tavor, but I don't know if you had any experience with the TS-12. Oh, yeah. Their shotgun. If you really want to churn heads at the range, show up with the TS-12. It's just a very futuristic looking bullpup shotgun. It's 28.3 inches long overall with a full 18.5 inch barrel. And one of the coolest things about it is it has three tubes that rotate. Each tube can hold three inch shells or five two to three fourth inch shells, really for a total of like 15 shot shells total. If you're using just regular shot shells, they have a full length top rail for the optics and lock slots for your accessories on the side. You could also get them in FDE as well as OD green now, in addition to the standard black. I have the standard black. I actually might get it Cerakoted. I've been saying that for years, but I don't know. I think it would just be cool, you know, a little bit cooler with like a really fun design. And then they also have a two position gas regulator and they take Benelli chokes, which also means that you can suppress it, which I have not tried yet. And I really want to check these out at IWI.us. And then remember, if you find any accessories in the web store, remember to use the code gunfunny15, all one word, and you're going to get 15% off your entire order. And I'll say IWI, it's one of the most underappreciated brands out there in the industry, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. um, and we were talking earlier about guns that you might criticize them if you just look at them from the internet or from videos, but until you actually handle them, then you that's when you truly get to appreciate it. And most all products from IWI tend to be that way, but they're all incredibly thought out. The you know, if you look at the revisions they're doing just on the Galil series, they're making those guns some of the best you know, firearms platforms out there today, not just for like a, an AK style or for a glial style firearm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and then, you know, like the Tabor, the Tabor may be the best bullpup design that's ever been done. Mm -hmm. um, the current Tabor that they're doing, it's, it's just one. And I personally, I have it as one of my home defense guns. We talked about having multiple home defense guns around and I love the Tabor. It's fantastic. Yeah. And it's actually, it is definitely a great home defense gun, especially if you're, you know, turning corners and stuff and, you know, you want a larger caliber, but you don't want some really long gun that, you know, is going to get stuck on everything or somebody's able to easily take away from you and stuff like that. I completely and a lot agree. Of people, yeah. A lot of people don't think about the, the center of balance on, or, you know, like where, where your actual pivot point is on a carbine, especially when you're through homes, but like you, uh, you know, if you are going through your home, you have a new home and you have to open up doors. Well, you're trying to hold, if you have a 16 inch AR or even any AR, especially with a suppressor at the end, that's a whole lot of weight that's out front. You're trying to hold that with one hand. It's really hard to do that and have an effective firing grip um, while you're doing administrative tasks with your support hand. Whereas with a bullpup, specifically with the Tabor, it gives you a really nice balance that you can just hold that with one hand very easily still be very effective with it on target and uh and a lot of people don't think of those little details when they're looking at a home defense gun yeah that's a really great point tactic talk discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it find out now Okay, Tacti Talk. TACOM introduces new recoil system. And TACOM, have you heard of TACOM? I've actually never heard of them. I have not. I guess so. Back in 2019, they introduced a delayed blowback recoil system for 9mm PCCs using a type of magnet called neodymium. 
At first glance, it looks like an ordinary captive buffer system for an AR, but the built-in magnets are super strong and delay the movement of the bolt for a split second, which allows the chamber pressure to drop before the bolt moves, which is actually, I mean, pretty smart. That allows for using a lighter spring system, which travels at the same speed as the standard system. That means less felt recoil and reciprocating mass, which means PCCs running the system are flatter shooting. TACOM just introduced a new version of their delayed blowback system that's adjustable. The new system has four magnets installed in the brass buffer that are removable. The number of magnets used changes the resistance of the system as well as two removable preload rings. Additionally, up to 10 coils can be cut off of the flat recoil spring to further decrease tension. What this gives you is ultimately adjustability to fine-tune the recoil system to match whatever ammo you're using, so like factory loads, minor power factor, or sub-minor loads. This makes it ideal for tuning a PCC for competition. This is something that I probably would have never thought of or never even thought to do. I mean, it's actually pretty, again, pretty innovative. The system's for 9mm PCCs, but they've tested it with 45 ACP and 40 Smith & Wesson carbines as well. MSRP in the system is of roughly, so roughly $200, $199.95, which is more than, you know, your other silent capture systems, but I'll have to check this out. But then again, I mean, I don't really do, I don't do any competitions or anything like that, but if you do, I mean, this might be something that'll kind of give you sort of an edge on the competition. Absolutely. And that's a huge growing segment in our market. So I'm sure they're going to do really well with this. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Stupid. Funny. Cool. Interesting. Awesome. As f- Never mind. AF. Okay. AF segment. Florida man pulls off heist. A Florida man. I'm like, why is it? It always has to be a Florida man. His always. name. His name's Paul Sinclair. Entered a Chase Bank in Seminole, Florida. And I actually was there. That's where I hunted my alligator. Last week around 1.30 p.m. and approached a bank teller. From under his shirt, he pointed what looked like a gun at the teller and demanded the teller hand over the cash. While the teller took money out of the drawer, he warned her not to push any buttons. She took $120 out of the drawer and handed it to him before he rushed out of the bank. He didn't get far, though, as he was arrested in under 10 minutes by sheriff deputies. He had no firearm on him when he was arrested, and the sheriff's office said that he used a finger gun under his shirt to rob the bank. His finger gun robbery earned him a second-degree robbery charge, and he's waiting in jail after being unable to post a $10,000 bond. And it turns out he's also awaiting trial for a first-degree arson charge, which when I read this, I was like, oh, okay, like, I wonder, you know, if there's less of a conviction if you, you know, use a finger gun versus a real gun. Like, I'm like, oh, that might be kind of smart. But but then I read on, so bank robberies that aren't violent and don't have any real weapons are actually more common than you think. Last year, there were 1,724 bank robberies in the U.S., and only about 3% of them were violent. Which, I mean, that's actually a really lot. Like, I didn't realize that bank robberies were that high. I kind of thought... That's so many. Right? Like... I always thought bank robberies were like a thing of the past because nowadays they have so much security that I feel like you'd be an idiot to rob a bank. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know if you remember that movie, Ben Affleck movie, The Town, but oh, they yeah. talk about how common bank robberies are in that movie. And I didn't know if it was real statistics or just Hollywood statistics, but I was shocked at how common bank robberies are based on when I was reading this last night for, uh, I, I was shocked that yeah. it's over 1700. I know. I mean, I guess when you think about all the banks in the U.S., like maybe the percentage is fairly low, but I still, I don't know. That's a lot more than I would have thought. But then again, I mean, criminals obviously aren't the smartest, so I guess I'm not surprised. But it is kind of surprising that a lot of them don't really include guns or aren't violent. But I guess if they were more violent, then you would hear more about it. Maybe that's why we don't hear about it as often. Exactly. Because it's just a guy with a piece of paper and just trying to get some money and i'm sure this guy was just trying to get his bail money covered for his arson case right up, so. <laughs> no kidding <laughs> i don't know about 120 dollars though that sounds like you know <laughs> right 
Ugh, but all right. So now it's time to wrap up. But first, iTunes reviews. So we only have one review today, and that is from KABCC titled Great Podcast Five Stars. This has quickly become my favorite podcast and definitely my Monday morning go to. I'm still pretty new to the gun world and have a lot to learn. And Ava makes sure I learn something with every episode. I look forward to your show. Thank you. And I got great news. You are the winner because there isn't another a second review. So there's nobody to uh, compete with. So contact me at gunfunny.com. Click on the contact us form and I'll send out a prize pack and wrapping up. So you guys can just find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to social media. And then also if you enjoy the show and you want to support it, think about becoming a Patreon. You can do that by going to gunfunny.com. Click on the support the show link. Also bone deadline. He's giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky patron each month, which is who I would use, you know, when I'm going to get my TS 12 Cerakoted. He does amazing work. Also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, Daniel Lee, Nick Theodosian, Tristan Smith, and Melissa Ridings. And King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. And Ron, thank you again so much for your time and representing the 2A world well and you know and even just being in this industry and you know I mean it's great just to talk to somebody with such a wealth of knowledge can you remind listeners once again what your website is and where they can follow trailblazer firearms on social media absolutely and I appreciate you having me so for our website it's trailblazerfirearms.com and on all social media it's at trailblazer firearms All right. Very cool. All right, guys, on that note, we're out of here and I will talk to you next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact.